Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm Justin Gordon, your host, and in this episode, we have Robert Luo, who is the CEO of Mitero, and his company created the world's only bag made out of recycled ocean plastics and cork. Robert basically knew he wanted to reduce fashion waste, which is one of the most wasteful industries in the entire world. And so he decided to create this company and it launched on Kickstarter, was fully funded within 22 hours and concluded with 450% funded. Kind of incredible. And Robert actually started his first company when he was 20, ended up selling this mobile app called UB, UBI for $300,000 had 10,000 users at the time, and then he decided to start this new company. We dive into all of that and how he decides to launch or grow businesses, how he's grown this business, and the sustainability and everything behind it. Check out Mitero today at M-I-T-E-R-R-O.com. Again, that's M-I-T-E-R-R-O.com. And actually, because of sustainability and the support of that, 10 trees are planted for every item purchased. Such a cool company. Be sure to check it out. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. You can support the show, leaving a rating and review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, wherever you are listening to this show. Without further ado, here is Robert Luo from Mitero. Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, happy to have you on. And there's so much to talk about with a couple of different companies of yours, actually. But what I'm curious of is where did you get your start in entrepreneurship? So, I mean, I guess I have always been entrepreneurship because my father, he's an entrepreneur, and that sort of passed down to me naturally. And when I was young, I would rarely see my dad in the house because he's always working. He's sort of like a workaholic. Even till now, yeah. he still works 12 days an hour. But to me... <laughs> I don't want to work that much, that many hours every single day. That would be crazy. To me, being an entrepreneur is more about providing values to people, providing a service that's beyond expectations. So to answer your question, I guess my dad just passed down to me naturally. Yeah. Yeah, so you've kind of had that entrepreneurial capability and mindset because you saw your dad over the years kind of have that and you just kind of ingrained in you, I guess, over time. Is that right? Yes, correct. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, either they have an experience like that or they have people around them. It's just kind of how it works. That was the same thing with me with having one of my best friends be entrepreneurial and just kind of goes that way. And from a young age, you had started a company, the mobile app. Can you tell me how that company actually got started? Yes. So I decided to take a gap year after my sophomore year of college. After I reading an autobiography of Elon Musk, the book was really inspiring. I'd encourage everyone to read it. And after reading the book, I was really pumped up. So I spoke with my parents about taking a gap year and potentially start a business, but they immediately rejected my idea. And they thought, <laughs> uh, they thought I was crazy at the time because I was only, I think, 19, 20. And it's not normal for a 20-year-old college kid to drop, not drop out, take a gap year and start yeah. a company. And especially in the tip, I don't, I'm not sure if you know about Chinese com- uh, families. In the typical Chinese families, parents want their children to finish school first get a job, and then maybe work at the job for two or three years, gain some experience, and then start maybe start their own company. So, yeah. in, this, so in this way, I was in the so-called obedient son. <laughs> but it was too late because I already bought the ticket, and I flew to China to start my first company. So it was, it was pretty wild to think back then. And I, so I found an opportunity that in China, cellular data was really expensive, especially for younger generation to use. 
and I took this opportunity and created a mobile application that will allow users to send messages and videos without using Wi-Fi or data. Everything went through Bluetooth. So that's how I started the first company. So even with that company, then how did you come up with the idea for that particular company? Then did you were you thinking about it like your freshman year or early on, and then you kind of decided to take the leap? Because like people always have ideas. I'm just curious on how you came up with that particular idea. Yes. So when I was in uh, freshman year, I started using Snapchat, and I liked it. It was easy to use, easy to communicate with my friends. Especially nothing is saved, so it's kind of like a safe zone. I kind of yeah. want bring the same business model to China because at the time there was no same app at the moment. But I also wanted to tackle this problem, the seller data problem. So we kind of combined the Snapchat and the seller idea into one. And did you have the technical skills then for that? Or did you have a partner that had it? Or how did that go? Oh, no. So it was difficult. (laughs) I I didn't know anything about programming or coding. So at first, I uh, contacted two freelancing agencies to help me program the app. And they told me, hey, I'm gonna, we're going to get it done. Don't worry about it. But two months went by, nothing happened. And by the time I found out that they weren't really doing anything, I already lost about $15,000 from my own pocket. And Jeez. that was crazy for me. So then I started looking for programmers who will work for me. I knew that was the only option to create an app because I don't want to get deceived by any freelancing agency again. I think I interviewed over 50 people during the course of four months. And it finally came down to five people who eventually became the founding team members. Yeah, and the app was so much more difficult to develop than I had previously imagined. The original plan was to develop the app in two months, but it turned out the back end of the app was so complicated that we spent another two months just to develop that. So by the time we launched the app, I already spent around thirty-five dollars to $40,000. Wow. That is insane. And you know, you say you want the freelancing agency at first though. I'm curious as to why, like, how did you decide between going the freelancing agency and hiring your own employees initially? How did you make that choice? First of all, I didn't know about coding at all. So yeah. the, I guess the easiest way for me to do was to find an organization that have people in this field help me. And I was convinced by this friend that my father had. Now he's no longer his friend. But he ran that agency and he kind of persuaded me to work with him. So I kind of took it out and trusted him at the, at the time. But apparently he wasn't that trustworthy for me. Yeah. And, then, and I've heard of definitely the different stories of people trying to get developers and how difficult it can be to actually get developers for an app. And other people on the podcast have had you know kind of similar stories and how difficult and just how many people they have to talk to. When you were interviewing all those people, you said you had a bunch of people and you came down like five, like how did you vet them and how did you decide you know, which were going to be your people? Yes. At first, I didn't know what questions I would have to ask them. So I have to do a, a ton of research online. What kind of question you're supposed to ask programmers? And luckily, I found a friend of mine who has been programming for years, but he's working for his own company. So he couldn't do it with me. So I asked him to help me advise and kind of help me recruit these people together. So he was really big help for me. Yeah, that's awesome. It's definitely helpful to have someone who knows a little bit about coding to give you some some pointers. And I think that's kind of one of the best routes to go when it comes Absolutely. to uh, app development. Yeah. And so you mentioned though, I saw in a bio or something, you had failed like five times to deliver the app. Like what happened with that? Well, after I looked for programmers and we started developing the app, it was really, really difficult. Like what I mentioned, the back end was hard. And we tried to push to the app store 
the first three times, it didn't work because there were some restrictions that we need to have to overcome. And that took some times. And then the two other times that we tried, we finally got it through. But that was one month already that we spent oh, wow. a month just to trying to get into App Store. And with that though, so when you have this app, you have this idea for the app. And so I want to get, go through this a little bit more detailed. So you have the idea for this and you know you have to hire developers. Like how much was the app built out on like either wireframes or the idea kind of written down? Like how was that for you initially? Well, to construct an app, first you need the idea and need to have very detailed plan of how the app will flow. We need, we need the UI designers, we need backend, we need frontend. And especially for social media apps, it's much harder than just a, let's say, functionality app because they're interaction between users. So we can make right. sure that interaction does not disconnect in the middle of the night. So there was so much going on. It was overwhelming. And at the time, I didn't know anything. I have to learn from zero. And I remember I was so stressed out that I lost 10 pounds in that one month. Oh, wow. So that was crazy. <laughs> and even when I was sleeping, I was thinking about how can I build this company? Was it only you that was like building the company? Obviously, you said you hired people, but was it just you and then like the people you had hired initially, or do you have any co-founders with you? No, it was just me, just you. And then yeah. going then going into China, then you're trying to build this, and you eventually finally <laughs> break through, and you get in the app store. Like, how are you acquiring then your first your first users? Yes, so we used WeChat and Weibo, which was the Chinese Twitter, to advertise our app. We knew that our target audience will be students in college and that they use these two platforms the most. And we also enter college groups on these two apps to spread the words. And because there's no similar app in China at the time, it was a new and exciting app that students want to use because it was also free to try. So once yeah. 10 people like the app, they will tell their friends and that start generating organic users. So from 10 to 100, 100 to thousands. So it was like that. Awesome. And was there anything that you tried that just didn't really work that well? Or did some things work better than others for getting new users? For us, WeChat was a really, really great platform for us, for yeah. all the Chinese people who want to develop apps and spread the words. Because it has 1.3... No, sorry. I, I believe at the time, they have uh, around um, 100 million users. So oh, wow. that was like free advertising for us. That is definitely helpful. That's a lot of people to get your, your thousands of users. And then, so as the company then is growing, you're acquiring more users. Like, how does the, the focus for you shift or like, how is your time spent then with the company during that time? I remember that I spent about 14 hours a day just on the company alone. When I was sleeping, I would think about how can I make this company better? Because yeah. I made a promise to my dad that I would take a gap year and then return to USC after the gap year. So I have a very, very limited time to develop this company. And luckily, our user rate grew very quickly after we took off. We gained 5,000 users in six months, but we were burning, burning money crazy on cloud service fees. And plus, employee salaries, I think that either we have to raise funds or sell the company at some point. But I yeah. found an angel investor and we raised about $200,000 RMB, which is equivalent to $30,000 for our C round. So that kind of okay. helped us to push to the to pass the time until we sold until I sold the company for three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, that you did sell the company, and so that was within how much time? Then I guess did you sell the company? How long did that take? I think fourteen months. Fourteen. 15 fourteen months. months. 
That's yeah. incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, that is such a, a fast amount of time, obviously, to grow to that point. And, you know, you're working a lot during that whole time. You mentioned, like, you know, 14 hour days or, and what it may be. I'm curious as to like that growth, obviously, accelerated from the users and everything. How are you spending your time as, as the founder, as a sole founder of the company? What were you focused on to get to that growth? Were you, I'm just curious on how you're spending your time and how you were contributing to growing the company. Majority of my time will be advertising and marketing, try to get the words out to our customers and try to make them try our app. And for developing, and I found some really trustworthy people to work for me. So I didn't have to worry much about how they can develop the app or make the app come to life. Yeah, and you're so you're spending time sales marketing type of positions. Are you are you like literally like running ads or like trying to get PR and press or like what types of things were you doing? So I was visiting colleges, different colleges in uh, the local city. It's called Shaman City, and because I actually studied two months in the local um, college, I was able oh, nice. to contact professors to talk to them and talk to their classes. So that was really helpful when I spoke to people directly. That's awesome. And then eventually, as you mentioned, you sold the company for $300,000 and then returned to school. <laughs> so at that point in time, then like, what were you thinking in terms of you know, what, what you would start next or what was your kind of your next steps in your career? Yes. So after I returned to school, I was still pretty pumped from selling my first company. I want to immediately start another company, but I didn't know yeah. how and what idea I would have to start a company. So I was trying to do research and see what's the problem that I can solve right now. What's a huge problem that I can inspire others to join me. And I found out that we have a huge problem in the fashion industry. In fact, fashion industry is the second most polluting industry in the world. Yeah. And as an environmental activist myself, I want to do something about it. So I started doing more research and found out that cork, the, cork, the wine bottle, that, the, the wine cap that we use, can be yeah. used as alternative to leather and for plastic cap. And it's actually 50% lighter than, than leather. And it's more durable than any materials out there. So I thought, why can't we just turn cork into a fashion product that people will love? So I talked to one of my friends from one of my classes and say, hey, do you want to start a company? And do you want to join me to tackle this fashion problem? So he said yes. And that's how we started designing products that will turn into our product is called Mutero CDS, which is the world's only travel bag made of recycled ocean plastic and cork. Yeah. And I, I you know, I, I think I heard it first uh, about Mutero from, I think someone spoke in class, honestly, about it. They, I think they stopped in one of my classes and mentioned it. I was very in intrigued by that. And I mentioned like, yeah, I donated a small amount as well to the, the Kickstarter campaign. But early on when you're, you have this idea for it and then you go design it, I, I'm always interested in hearing those initial stages, those initial steps, like how do you go about starting to design a fashion company out of Cork? Like, where do you begin? Yes. So I first found an organization called Cork Forest Conservation Alliance. They are the biggest Cork Alliance uh, in America. And to learn about how Cork is grown, how durable it is, and how to make it recyclable, make it into fashion material. And after learning that, I took two to three months to design this product. I didn't have any background in fashion. I guess whenever I start a company, I have no background in that specific industry. So I have to <laughs> do once again, read everything about how to design products. I spoke with designers and saw for their insights. And at first I would try to imitate a back image by simply trace over the image and practice over and over again, just to make sure that each detail 
is as correct as possible. And then yeah. I visited our 10 suppliers and 20 manufacturers in China. So that took about five to six months flying back and forth. And eventually to just to tackle down to the one supplier and one manufacturer that can help us the most. Yeah. And finding that, how did you find the manufacturers initially? Like, what, what did you go like Alibaba or how were you finding the initial ones to even visit? Correct. We started searching on Alibaba. And once we arrived in China, it became much easier because when you were in that atmosphere, in that environment, they know each other and people will recommend us, hey, maybe you can try this, this manufacturer, maybe try this supplier because they're very close to each other. They're in the same city, same town. So that was much easier to find if I can go and visit them. Yeah, so actually going to talk to them in person because then you can see like they know other people and just much easier than trying to go remotely, I guess, would make a lot of sense. Absolutely. Yeah, and then you mentioned though with thinking about designing it, you know, researching and talking to people. When you were talking to people, like, what were the types of things you were asking them or trying to specifically like learn from them? We have to know what's the cost of goods sold. How much does it cost to produce this product. And we have to know about the shipping cost and how long would it take because we have to manage our time to push our product into the market at the right time. And we have to talk to shipping companies to make sure that our product arrive within the design or expected period of time. So everything needs, needs to be done ahead of time. And there were a lot of talkings on WeChat. We use WeChat to communicate with our Chinese suppliers and partners. And with that then, so talking to them, you know, you have lots of back and forth, trying to figure out uh, all these different details. And then how did you end up getting, or how long did it take, I guess, to get those first samples or that first sample of the actual bag? For giving the design to actually develop the prototypes, it was yeah. actually pretty quick. It was about three to five days, surprisingly, really quick. Oh, wow. So from design, so the design you give them to the actual prototypes, only three to five days, where you had one in your hand, basically. We have, we have three prototypes right now. That's awesome. So that so that is actually relatively quick, and obviously, I'm sure that's you know at a, a much higher cost than what it would be to obviously mass produce them. But you have those because you need them obviously to promote it. And then the decision to go k- the Kickstarter route. How did that happen? Yes. So we were thinking, how can we market this product to a big audience? Obviously, if we just tell our friends, family members, that won't generate too much publicity or sales for us. So. We did some research and found out Kickstarter is the best way for new products, startups to, to advertise their, their products. So before we went on Kickstarter, we spent three to four months planning on what to do. We even contact marketing agencies, Kickstarter marketing agencies to see if they can help us. But we found out that they're so expensive. In yeah. order for them to help you or to join your team, they need to spend at least $5,000 upfront. And that's just upfront fee. They take commission, back-end commission. So Jeez. we thought that, that wasn't the right way we should take. So eventually we found one organization who was willing to help us with $35,000. They have $100, sorry. That was the cheapest we can find. So yeah. we were holding our breath to see if that kind of works out for us. So after we launched our Kickstarter, we found out that this organization wasn't the right for us because they actually didn't generate any sales for us. So we spent $3,500 for nothing. Wow. And more surprisingly for us, is that we started to generate more more attractions on Kickstarter through people that we don't even know, through people from 26 countries. That was very Jeez. surprising. Yeah, It is surprising. And we were fully funded within 22 hours. And by the time we concluded our Kickstarter campaign, we were over 450% funded. So that was a big surprise for us. 
Oh yeah, I mean, that, that's amazing. I saw that. I've been, I've been tracking that. I'm curious as to like how you actually decided on how much you needed to raise and what's the amount. Like, how did you decide on that? Yes, we started with three thousand dollars as our initial goal because we want to set the bar low so we can pass the initial goal and get the fundings. I think yeah. Kickstarter works in a ways either you get it all or you get it nothing. So right. once we pass the three thousand, then it's, we can adjust more freely. Yeah, so it gives you so at least you know that you will you will get funding for it essentially, yes. which is important. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. And then with the Kickstarter, then what were you doing to get the word out to promote the Kickstarter campaign? We were talking to um, we were talking to agencies. We talked to Marsh, uh, Marshall's newsletter, and they helped us spread the word. I think that was really helpful for us. And we were contacting different agencies to see if they're interested in our stories. Talking to our friends. Uh, advertising on Facebook and Google and Instagram. And just one word, Facebook and Instagram are actually pretty useful to advertise your products. That's how we started off to get words out. Yeah, and obviously you mentioned you mentioned we and your co-founder on it. Was it just two of you that started this? We had a team of five people. A team of five people. Okay, and then how were those kind of roles and responsibilities split up? Because that can be tricky, let's just say. Yes, I have a co-founder who has been with me since the beginning. And he was a CEO. Basically, he, he does everything that is related to PR. And okay. we have a marketing strategist. We have another designer for the for the product. And we have photographer and website editor. Awesome. And then with that, got funding, you have this team now of five. You know, what are some of those next steps and the things you're kind of focused on moving forward? We want to make sure that people are getting are getting known to our, our brand. We don't build a trusted brand that people will want to purchase from. Not just have a good quality, but a great mission that people will join us to make our earth green again. Yeah. And with that though, so that's the, that's the goal then. Obviously you sold bags through the Kickstarter fundraiser, right? Like essentially people donated for bags. Well, some of them did at least. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And like, what's the kind of the timeline you're kind of, you're dealing with in terms of delivering these bags and then how are you going to ramp up production? I'm curious of kind of those things as well. Yes, so our Kickstarter lasts for about 40 days. And after okay. that, we immediately started production with our manufacturers. So we plan to ship out our product in mid-June from our factory in China. And our backers will get it within two to three weeks. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's much quicker than I actually expected. <laughs> it's yeah. tough to say, you know, how that's going to be. And then, so, you know, moving forward, like you have the mission and this, this vision of the company, which I, I love. I think, it's, I think it's great. I'm curious, with school then being... You're done with school now, right? Or correct? Yes. Yes. Correct. Yeah. So now that you're full time into this, how is your time kind of allocated with growing the company at this point? Yes. So I spend most of my time growing Michero, try to contact nonprofit agents, nonprofits, because we want to partner with nonprofits and inspire them and join them to the mission to clean the ocean and to support global reforestation. Right now, we're partnering with a nonprofit called Eden Reforestation Projects, where we are planting 10 trees for every product we sell. And now we're, I think we've planted over 2,600 trees so far with them. Oh, and wow. we want to partner with more agencies to help them and, and to help us at the same time. So most of my time will be allocated talking to uh, marketing agencies, influencers, nonprofits, getting our product into retail stores and other marketing platforms. And other than that, I, I have another company. It's a mobile application company. That will be launched in two weeks. So I have... I will be starting spending more time on that company as well. And and what is that company going to be? And by the time this episode goes live, it, your company should be set yeah. <laughs> based on when this will go. But yeah, what is that company again? 
the company is called Reo Two R E O Number Two. Okay. And what the what the app does is to reward users for reducing their daily CO two emission. And we we use iPhone data health data system to keep track of how many miles you walk every single day or how many miles you run every single day. And we convert yeah. that into energy on our platform where you can get points. And those points can be used to plant trees in real life. And we do it all for free. Oh, wow. And how did you decide to start that then? So I, I kind of got the idea from using an app called Alipay, where everything is used online can be turned into points on the system. So we thought, why can't we re- reward users for reducing CO2 on their daily activity? So my partner and I, who was also a USC master student, we thought, let's do this. Let's do something that people can be rewarded for reducing CO2. And at the same time, let's do it for free so everyone can use it. That's awesome. And you know, I'm curious with the with Metero and the, oh, the sustainability and everything, I'm curious, what's been the most difficult aspect of growing the company? I think the most difficult aspect is to find the right people to work with. I've spoken to many, many people about starting a company, to run a company. A lot of them have ideas, but they don't know how to turn ideas into action and action into real product. So from zero to one is so difficult. Yeah. And finding the right people is crucial to start a business, not just at um, the startup age phase, but also in every phase of the company. So I spend a lot of time trying to find the right people. And yeah, I think and you- that's the most important one. I mean, with that, then, what do you think has been the most helpful for you in finding the right people? I was able to find people from USC, so very lucky to me. And I guess if you were to surround it with people that have the same vision as you are, it's so much easier for you to find the right people just to join clubs, just to go to conferences, speak to people, spread your ideas and see whether this person will like it or not. And if he or she likes it, keep in contact, go out and um, grab a drink talk about it, and maybe start a company together. Yeah. And Robert, with those people then, what are you kind of looking for or how do you approach you know, that, that type of thing? Because there's obviously it is so tough to, to build a team and, and hire people and have the right people around you. I'm just curious, like wondering like how, like, what do you look for exactly? For me personally, I, I need people who I can trust, who can do the work. And when I approach people, I want to know uh, how much is he or she willing to lose that it's either time, freedom, money, sleep, whatever you call it. And how will this person bring value to the team? And how can I provide value for this person? Because this should be mutually, mutually beneficial. So we want to be on the same page and work together. And we should have the same vision to build this company into the next big service, big product that can inspire more people. Yeah. And so far in your, in your career already, you've started a couple businesses now. So I, I'm wondering as like if someone wants to grow a business, start and grow a business, what are some of those first things you think they should be thinking about? Yes. So being an entrepreneur is difficult. It's not glamorous as it's portrayed in the newspaper or in <laughs> right. magazines. So he or she needs to learn and know how much is he or she willing to lose. Like what I mentioned, you probably don't have much sleep when you're an entrepreneur. You're constantly thinking, how can I develop this company to a bigger company, to more in, in, influential, to to generate more sales and how much time I'm willing to put in there, how much freedom I want them to give up and how's your product or service different from the existing ones and how much are you willing to spend upfront to cut the cost? 
and most importantly, I think people neglect the fact that your company will likely to fail if it's not been backed by supporters. So how long are you willing to test right. this business model until you say, hey, it's time to give up. Maybe I should find a job. Yeah, yeah, which is always an, an option, but I, entrepreneurs are definitely a, a different breed, let's just say. And, you know, it is a, a certain type of person that it takes to, to become one. And as you've gone through your entrepreneurial journey, what have been some valuable resources that you've come across? Whether that be, you know, certain podcasts or certain audiobooks or conferences, or what are some resources that have been helpful for you? Yes, I actually read a lot of books. In fact, my goal for this year is to read 12 books, and I already read seven books. I listen to podcasts when, whenever I drive. So that serves for two purposes. One is I don't get bored when I'm stuck in traffic. <laughs> traffic is horrible. Especially, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and secondly, I can continue to learn something while I'm driving. And one book that really inspired me, I forgot the name of the book, but it's an autobiography about Elon Musk. And it was after reading that book that I decided to start my first company. So I would recommend everyone to read the book. Another book that I would suggest is Shoe Dog. That oh, talks yeah. about how Phil Knight started his business from zero. And in some way, I feel like I'm kind of connected with Phil Knight, who didn't know much or anything about shoe industry and traveled to Japan to talk to the manufacturers and going through all difficulties to start from zero to one and build a company that is successful as known as Nike today. So I would suggest yeah. people to read that. Oh yeah, and you know Robert, those are those are definitely two of my absolute favorite books. Yeah, Shoe Dog, incredible story. Phil Knight, if you, everyone entrepreneurial needs to check it out, and the Elon Musk book by Ashley Vance, which is the one I think you're talking about. Yeah. That one is also incredible. Obviously, he's one of the most well liked and just ambitious entrepreneurs, and it's hard to not be inspired to go build something or just do something after reading that book. And I actually have it on Audible as well, and have listened to it multiple times uh, throughout the last couple of years. And yeah, I'll definitely, I'll vouch for that for sure. Are there any particular podcasts? And you, you mentioned podcasts. Are there any ones you, you like in particular or different episodes? Or do you kind of look for it based on topics? I'm wondering about that too. I listen more on audiobook. So I, I probably listen less on podcasts, but more audiobooks. So nice. I, I like reading books. Books are yeah. all my favorites. Yeah, and I'm, yeah, I'm definitely a huge fan as well. And you know, you mentioned the long hours and you know the amount of time it's taken to build these companies. How do you then manage the ups and downs of entrepreneurship? Yes, so I guess starting a company can be extremely stressful and sometimes very lonely. And there are never enough hours in the day to do your work. So I guess taking the time to eat healthy and spending your time with your family, your friends will ensure that both your body and your mind is prepared for the hard times. And make sure that you get really, really good sleeps. Having enough sleep will help generate so much energy for you up day that you can get things done early and quick. And don't work 100 hours a week. And do value <laughs> more and do take time off to spend with your family. They should be the most important thing in your life. Yeah, especially if you're trying to last in the long term. You don't want to burn out, but it's so tough, right? Because people want to they want to grow their business. They want to work on their ideas. So it can be really difficult to take time away, but almost everyone will tell you that you need the separation and to have something that recharges you so that you can keep going day in and day out. Absolutely. And as you've gone through, you know, your entrepreneurial journey so far, which is only really just getting started, but you already already accomplished so much. What have been some of the biggest lessons or takeaways so far? I think the biggest lessons and takeaways that I have learned is to surround myself with teammates who are also hungry 
not starving. I know that might sound a little bit strange, but it's important to surround yourself with people who are always wanting more. You want teammates who feel like they're part of the company, not just working for a job or for you. You don't want teammates who are just looking for paycheck or get complacent. And when your teammates are hungry, they shouldn't be starving. What I meant by that is that you want individuals who are motivated in the time and to overcome difficulties and get rewarded for their hard work, not just to desperately get pay and not focus on how to bring the value to the customers. And more yeah, importantly, I love it. be humble. Be as humble as possible and keep in mind that your company success will not just earn solely by one person, not just by CEO. Regardless of your title, you should never be too proud to pick up a work that no one wanted to do and keep yourself grounded and remind you that every single person is essential to the success of your company. And Robert, what is kind of the the grand vision or, or mission that you have in your career? What would you like to accomplish? Well, I want to continue to grow my business and I want people to know about the business. We want to become the biggest green lifestyle brand in the world. And to achieve this goal, we need to create more sustainable and recyclable products. We want to reduce fashion waste to zero. By doing so, we want to recycle and reuse every one of our products and give them new life. And also, I want my companies to be B Corp. I'm not sure if you even know about B Corp. Yeah, I've heard about it from someone else, actually, on the podcast. Yes, I think it's... But feel free, go ahead. It's a very, <laughs> very important milestone for us to become a B Corp. And to become a B Corp, the company needs to have a balanced purpose and profits. They need to bring values to our society and our environment. And I think that's really, really my most important goal, to make Earth green again. That's great. And, and Robert, where can people learn more about what you're doing and all that you're up to with yes. your businesses? So you can follow me on Instagram at Rob Rule Love Life or follow my business at Michero.fashion on Instagram. You can also check out our website. It's called www.michero.com. Awesome. And I will be sure to link that all up in the show notes, which will be at justgrowgrind.com slash podcast and links to all the stuff mentioned as well, the different books as well, because I think they're amazing. And and Robert, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. I hope you have a lot of success moving forward. Thank you, Justin, for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. As always, the show notes are over at justgrowgrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show over at patreon.com slash justgrind. And please, please leave a rating and review over on iTunes. It does help more people find the show. Hope you enjoy this episode. Have a great day.